Welcome to Holistic Soundbites, the podcast to feed your craving for learning. Hey folks, Ryan here, and this is Holistic Soundbites. Today's podcast is a challenging one. It's a little bit bitter, it's a little bit sweet, but it's a whole dose of real. It took us some time to put it together to ensure that it's delivered just right. We are privileged to feature Sherilyn and Esther today, two young Singaporean students who joined us at Holistic over their university holidays for an immersive work experience. During their time with us, we heard some of their challenges that they felt would affect their employability, particularly in the volatile climate that we live in these days. After hearing from them, we asked them if they would be willing to share some personal experiences and some practical tips with others. After all, this podcast is by youth for youth. Before we jump in, did you know that curriculum vitae means the course of life? Did you realize that quality, clarity, and relevance matter? Either way, I'm positive you'll find some information that will feed your mental muscles. So find a comfortable spot, relax, and join me in listening to Sherilyn and Esther speak about employability. Have you ever struggled to get an internship or a job before? Because I had. And the news is, it's going to get harder from now on. Hi, I'm Sherilyn, and together with Esther, we will be talking about looking for a job from a student's perspective and how to set yourself apart from others in a declining job climate. Yes, this podcast is going to be interesting. Hi, as introduced by Sherilyn, I'm Esther. Okay, so going back to the question. Sherilyn, you said that you struggled to get an internship before. What was your experience? Well, for me, I had a difficult time looking for an internship. I tried sending lots of resumes and some cover letters, trying to secure a finance internship but didn't manage to. Finance being such a competitive field is already hard to get, and with the addition of COVID-19 pandemic, it is even more difficult with many internships being cancelled. I totally understand. Finance is really a very competitive field. I also heard from some of my friends that their internships got cancelled too. Yes, some of my friends too. How about you? Have you also struggled to get an internship? Yes, I have. One experience is during the COVID-19 pandemic. I originally secured an internship before the outbreak in Singapore happened. So I was just happily working for a month. But when we had to go into the circuit breaker, unfortunately, my internship got put on hold for two months. Eventually, my internship company told me that they had no choice but to cancel it. And by the time it was cancelled, most of the applications for summer internships were closed. I went to every job-seeking platform 
to apply for the last few closing applications, but I still did not manage to secure a summer internship in the end. I see. That's really unfortunate. Indeed, COVID-19 has impacted our lives one way or another, especially those looking for jobs and internships like us. Job postings in Singapore have decreased to 24% compared to a year ago, according to data from a global job site. The fall was across most sectors, with those affected most by the circuit breaker registering the biggest declines. This pandemic has not only affected us in Singapore, but all over the world as well. The global outlook is not positive according to the International Labour Organization, with 305 million full-time jobs are at risk of being lost in the second quarter, up from its previous estimate of 195 million jobs. With the lowering of job vacancies and rising unemployment rates, it is going to be increasingly difficult for us to get a job or find internship experiences. Indeed, it will be really tough for us to find jobs, especially when it was already tough to do so before the COVID-19 pandemic happened. Also, even if the COVID-19 situation settles down with businesses and workplaces being able to function normally again, there is no telltale of when another global crisis might happen, which will once again affect the global economy and the unemployment rate. What we can do is to start improving our employability in advance to prepare for any unforeseen circumstances. Yes, and for those listeners who already have internship experiences or are in an internship now, this doesn't mean you are safe. With the global crisis such as the COVID-19 situation affecting people in general, there may be experienced full-timers competing for the same spot as you. This will still lower your chances of being employed despite having some internship experience. Hence, to have a better chance in securing a job, we need to set ourselves apart from others and improve our employability regardless of whether you secured an internship or not. I agree. So with jobs being so hard to come by in the first place and then progressing to be even harder for us use, what can we do to set ourselves apart from others? There are two main ways. The first way is to train ourselves to become an M-shaped employee and another will be to bridge the gap between our actions and the employer's expectations. We'll start off by talking about becoming an M-shaped employee. If you're wondering what is an M-shaped employee, basically, people are categorized into different letter shapes. And why are they called shapes? Because employee skills are categorized into vertical and horizontal bars. For verticals, it means an area of specialization, while for horizontals, it represents a wide range of shallow knowledge that is applicable to different work contexts. These vertical and horizontal bars will form different letters according to the extent of skills that an employee possesses. Yes, there are many shapes in this context, but we'll mention the three more typically mentioned shapes, which is I, T, and M shapes. And we'll say all this to illustrate the idea of an M-shaped employee more clearly. So, the first shape is I. I-shaped people are specialists. And specialists have a single expertise or focus, which they do not know much about different disciplines. Employees who have skills shaped like an eye can succeed in various environments, but they will typically not excel in professions requiring intensive cross-collaboration. 
As for the T-shaped employees, they are people with broad experience in different disciplines that is illustrated by the horizontal bar of T. They have a deep expertise in their field or discipline which is represented by the T's vertical bar. T-shaped people represent a classic Agile team member, where they have a specialty and, in addition, a wider breadth of experience with other skills as well. These people have a focus in their role of work, but they can also fill in gaps of works when bottlenecks are recognised. The positive outcomes will be greater interconnectivity among departments, open and better communication, strong shared vision of business goals, collaboration, and creative innovation. Yes, and lastly, the M-shaped employees. People with skills of M-shape have two deep vertical bars, representing multiple expertise in their fields or discipline. And also, they have a horizontal bar which allows them to apply their expertise in different work contexts. Generally, M-shaped employees are equal or more knowledgeable in the skills expected of a T-shape, and it is known for M-shaped employees to be members of high-performance cross-functional teams. The advantage of these people is that they will be able to specialize in different skills or being able to apply these skill sets more flexibly in different situations. Now that we know what is an M-shaped employee, how do we become one to set ourselves apart from others? To become an M-shaped employee, we need to improve both our transferable skills, which is the horizontal bar, and specialized skills, which is the vertical bar. But first, we should start by improving our horizontals before focusing on verticals. This is because having a wide range of skills can open up more doors for opportunities as compared to a specialized skills when looking for a job. That's true. One way we can improve our transferable skill is to improve our online presence and personal branding. Everyone is on social media these days, including potential recruiters. A 2017 study found that 70% of employers check our potential candidates online before hiring. Unknown to many, employers are actually looking at your social media profiles and googling your name in search engines to learn more about you as an individual during the application process. Yes, and there are several ways we can improve our online presence. The first thing we can do is to network with people online and build connections with others. An example of online professional networking platform is LinkedIn. According to their survey, results show that nearly 50% of professionals in Singapore attribute finding their job to networking. Furthermore, networking is also related to increased internal and external perceived employability by boosting their access to information and resources. Along with asking friends and acquaintances or industry contacts through networking, become an active member of professional associations and tap your school's alumni networks to build more connections. Networking with others not only helps you gain insights into different careers and industries, but also who knows, they may be able to help you land a job in the future. Yes, and another way you can improve your online presence is to improve your LinkedIn profile by getting recommendations and endorsements for your skill sets. Did you know that it is estimated that 5 out of 6 HR managers and recruiters review your profile before deciding if they should contact you? All these endorsements will help you to build credibility and market yourself better by highlighting your skills, interests, and experiences.
Some recruiters may even find potential candidates via LinkedIn. So improving your LinkedIn profile will improve your chances of being found. I see. No wonder when I applied for internships earlier, companies often ask for my LinkedIn profile link, but I usually don't provide it. I also realized that adding a professional photo to your profile makes you 14 times more likely for people to find you on LinkedIn. With that being said, I think it is important to note that due to cultural differences, LinkedIn may or may not be as useful depending on your country and culture. For example, the use of LinkedIn for networking is much more prevalent in the US compared to Singapore. Indeed, the usage of LinkedIn is more prevalent in the Western counterparts, but Asian countries are also starting to step up as well and embrace the power of professional networking. In today's disruptive economy, the concept of personal branding has gained even greater traction than before. To position one favorably for a job opening, a career switch, or simply for better workplace relationships. Hence, it is the pivotal starting point to create positive impressions and convey the desired brand image to employers. The last tip you can do to improve your online presence is to build up your own personal website. This is more applicable towards art, design, or media students, but if you're not, you can still do it too. Create a well-designed website that highlights your quality and professionalism by showing off your personal brand through colors, fonts, text, video, and images. You can use platforms such as Wix or Squarespace if you have no design or coding knowledge, and it comes with an endless array of templates and design tools for you to choose from. Your website is where you can showcase your work that you have done and it will make you stand out when you are being compared with someone of equal qualifications. Show that you know the importance of establishing an online presence. I totally agree. Moving on, we can improve our specialized skill by upskilling ourselves. There are many platforms to take online courses such as Coursera and EDX on skills that your desired career path requires you to learn. I just recently took one of the banking courses on EDX by MIT and I think it will be really useful for my future career and broaden my knowledge. One thing I like about taking online courses is that you can do it at your own time and pace without a fixed schedule. If you don't have a clear career path yet, you can try taking courses such as coding or technology courses. Why? Because with an increasingly digitized economy, it is important to adapt to the situation by upskilling yourself with these relevant skills that are highly demanded. According to Udemy's 2020 Workplace Learning Trends Report, it indicates that workers across some of the largest industries are heavily focused on learning data science and technology skills. Hence, you can try taking out courses in that direction. And by taking online courses to upskill yourself, you can be more qualified for your desired job offering after earning certifications. Another thing we can do to improve our specialized skill is to do a side project. What are you passionate about? Or what are your hobbies and interests? Especially at times like the pandemic, it is good to use this time to pick up some skills that you enjoy. Yes, especially during COVID-19, I have seen many people doing side projects such as baking and digital illustrations. I think doing it is beneficial as it is something that you enjoy doing 
and could potentially become a full-time job or a success story. One example is Khan Academy. It started off as a way for the director, Salman Khan, to tutor one of his cousins, but soon it has grown into an education phenomenon. That's really interesting. Indeed, there are many companies out there that started out with a side project before becoming successful. Last but not least, join a program to improve both your transferable and specialized skills. I myself joined the Work Immersion program with Holistic. I've gained many transferable skills such as adaptability, communication, and collaboration. Not only that, I also learned more specialized skills such as the content creation process by recording podcasts like this and delivering a webinar. I have to say that I never regretted joining and I think the many takeaways I had will definitely be useful as examples for my resume and interviews in the future. Don't you agree, Esther? Yes, totally. Through my experience in this work immersion program, I learned both the transferable and specialized skills and they are actually very similar to yours. I feel like my skills have grown in the horizontal and vertical bars, and that I am slowly developing myself to become an MSHA employee. Anyway, that is some useful tips for all of us youths who have yet to step into the official working world. To set ourselves apart from others, we have to start now to develop and shape ourselves into the desirable MSHA employee in the future so that we will be able to contribute to the future company with our expertise of vertical bus and be able to effectively apply this expertise to different work situations with the horizontal bar of transferable skills that we have. Yes, so far, after covering tips on how to become an M-shaped employee, we'll be moving on to talk about ways to bridge the gap between our actions and the employer's expectations. And why do we want to talk about this? Because we feel that there are certain expectations that potential employers actually have on their candidates. And for us youths, we often do not know some of these expectations. And hence, we fall short of their standards of successfully hiring a candidate. I totally agree. I didn't even know some of these tips before I even began researching for it. So, if you are listening right now, hang on. Because just like the tips on developing yourself into an M-shaped employee, you are going to learn so much. Now, we are going to cover some of these expectations in different aspects of our job application journey. Firstly, it is your resume, or some call it your CV. A CV, which stands for Curriculum Vitae, is a marketing document that gives a summary of a job seeker's career experience academic qualifications, and also their future potential. The phrase curriculum vitae is actually Latin for the story of your life. Hence, it covers a candidate's past experience, current skill set, and their future potential. A completed CV aims to impress recruiters and is sent as an education to job postings or as a speculative approach to prospective companies. Yes. CVs are valuable and important because they are your first and maybe only direct communication with a potential employee. For this reason alone, it should be carefully thought out, designed, and written so that it makes an immediate impact on key decision makers. When a reader looks at your resume, they should be able to quickly gain a clear indication 
of your experiences and potential. So, Sherilyn, what are some expectations that employers have on candidates for a good CV? Hmm, their expectations come in three different factors, namely quality, clarity, and relevance. Quality is the overall standard of your CV, and one main contributing element will be its presentation. When you prepare your CV, ask yourself, is it presentable? Are there any spelling mistakes or grammatical errors? Make sure your CV is neat and tidy. Highlight headings so that they stand out and use bullet points to focus on key points rather than large blocks of text. Yes, and another factor is the clarity. When you write up your CV, make sure your information is clear and concise and that it is easy to understand. If you need, get a friend to read your CV and ask him if he is able to get the message that you are trying to convey across. And other than quality and clarity, it is the relevance of your CV. Imagine you are the hiring recruiter of a certain company and you are reading your own resume. What are some of the skills that can be highlighted more in order for your skill set to be relevant to the role and company that you are applying to? This is often a point that is overlooked by most applicants. Yes, you could be the best qualified and most suitable applicant for a job. But if your CV is rambling, disorganized, and does not highlight your key abilities, then you will probably be overlooked. Hence, it is important to evaluate your CV according to the three factors of quality, clarity, and relevance. I agree. Your CV is essentially a marketing tool that gives you an opportunity to sell yourself and your abilities to employers. Hence, it should clearly show those strengths and experiences that are most relevant to the job you are applying for and demonstrate your potential as a future employee. Indeed, employers can receive many CVs for a job which has been advertised, so it is important to create a good impression to attract their attention. Most people do not spend as much time on their CV as they should. So, if you write a professional and high-quality CV, you will stand out from the rest. Remember, your CV is the first communication with your prospect company. That's right. Now, other than the CV, it is important to know some interview etiquette to bridge the gap between our actions and the employer's expectations as well. So, why are we bringing up interview etiquette? Interviews are basically the gateway to you clinching a role in the company. And hence, it is important to know what to do and what not to do in order to ace your interview. Also, an interview will be the first time that a potential employer meets you face-to-face, so it is very important to form a good impression. The first expectation that employers have of us is punctuality. Needless to say, punctuality is a trait that many employers appreciate in their employees. It is indicative of the candidate's consciousness when it comes to schedules and the overall time management skills. It is also one way of showing respect for the interviewer and his time. Moreover, you are demonstrating how serious and determined you are about getting this job. Well, it is obvious that being late for the interview will work against you. If the interviewer is keeping score, he is likely to deduct points if you show up after the appointed time that you are supposed to appear. Worst case scenario, if 5 or 10 minutes have passed, 
and you still haven't arrived, the interviewer may decide to cancel the interview altogether. When you come in, panting and short of breath, your shot at getting that job is already gone. But here's the mind-blowing part. Do you know that being too early is also not a good idea? Before I researched this, I didn't even know that being too early is bad. I always thought that the earlier I arrived, the better it showed me as being punctual. However, I realized that being punctual means being on time and not necessarily being early. So, if you are wondering why people should not be too early to arrive at a job interview, firstly, it puts unwanted pressure on the interviewer or the people working in the office where the interview takes place. They are expecting you to show up at 10am in the morning. But then let's say, maybe you show up one hour earlier at 9am. And because you are so early, they are unprepared, so they won't really know what to do with you. And you run the risk of distracting them from what they are doing. So, don't be surprised if they get slightly annoyed. Yes, and secondly, the long wait will take its toll on you. You may have arrived at the venue refreshed and energetic, ready to ace the interview. But if you end up sitting for an hour, doing nothing, you may end up getting bored, worried, and drained. And when it is finally time for the interview, you may not perform to your fullest potential. So, how early is too early? Consensus among experts is that you should be there 10 to 15 minutes before the scheduled start of the interview. This gives you just the right amount of time to relax and accustom yourself to the environment before you face the person who will interview you. This will also free the interviewer from the burden of having to entertain or accommodate you during the brief waiting time. And if, despite everything, you still end up too early because you are too excited, you can kill time by taking a leisure walk in the area, but not in the exact office or room where the interview will take place. Yes, I don't know about you, but because I usually arrive at an interview place very early, I will certainly take on the tips of spending time around the area first, before heading up to the office 10 to 15 minutes before my interview slot. And next, other than punctuality, it is of course the dress code. Appearances matter, so you have to take extra care with how you dress. Before you head for an interview, take note of the dress code that they provide in the email. And if they didn't provide it, the safest route will be to stick to conventional office or business attire. Go conservative, avoid skimpy and revealing clothes. Stay away from jarring colors and stick to muted or neutral tones. And to ensure that you look presentable, pay attention to your grooming. Your clothes should fit you perfectly and make sure it is ironed and not crumpled. Yes, and it is shown that within the first 7 seconds of meeting someone, people will already have a solid impression of who you are. Some research suggests a tenth of a second is all it takes to start determining traits like trustworthiness. So, it is very important to take care of your attire and how you look because you will never get a second chance in making a great first impression again. Next point to look out for is your body language. A study showed that people perceive information with 7% verbal, 38% vocal, and 55% visual. 
So what that means is that 93% of your communication is non-verbal in nature. Information about you goes beyond your words alone. Your facial expression, body posture, and gestures communicate more than your words. Be very aware of your body language, how you sit, what's the volume of your voice, the amount of confidence that you portray, etc. Make eye contact, smile naturally. A smile will make you appear confident and approachable. It is also an effective tool to mask your nervousness. However, be careful not to overdo it. Smiling too much may make you seem like you are pretending. Be natural and be yourself. And the last pointer for interview etiquette is on how you treat other interviewees in a group interview. Here are some questions to ask yourself when you are in a group interview. Do you pay attention to the other interviewees when they talk? Or do you only care about your own answers? What's your body language when they are talking? Are your arms closed? Or are you slightly facing towards them to show that you are listening? Also, when there is a group work in the interview, how do you work with them? Do you insist in your opinion or are you open to ideas? Can you communicate and listen effectively? Do you actively contribute? All these can show your qualities as a person, your personality, your competency, and how well you can work in a team setting. Now, after talking about the CV and interview etiquette, one last way to bridge the gap between our actions and the employer's expectations is to narrow our gap of knowledge towards the prospective company. This is a really important pointer, but it isn't said enough. Before going on an interview, you have to research thoroughly on a company. Take in mind that when the interviewers meet you, they expect you to know substantial information on the company already. Coming to the interview with knowledge about the firm shows that you are prepared and that you want a role in this company, rather than you just applying for any jobs within your field of interest. Yes. Firstly, know about the core of the company. What is the heart element to the company? What are their values? You can often find this in the company's website under the page of About Us, where they will provide their mission statement and values. Make sure you are well-versed with it, and during your interview, make an association with your position and the mission statement of the company. Suggest ways on how you will be able to drive the mission of the company and add to their values. Also, read up on news and activities of the company that help them to progress towards their value. Be very knowledgeable about it so that you are able to connect with the interviewee during your interview. I totally agree. Personally, I've heard that when big companies like MNCs hire people, they will hire those who know their company well and share the same values as their company. This is to pick out the appropriate candidate out of all the large amounts of applicants they are trying to get into their company. Well, other than knowing about the company, it is important to know about the interviewers too. Why is that so? Because by knowing more about the interviewer, you are able to find a common ground which can be added as a conversation in the interview. This allows you to build rapport with the interviewer and hence enhance the impression that he has on you. So, 
There are search tools present in the company's website through which you can possibly find the ones who are interviewing you. Press releases and bio pages with the latest activity of the company can also be used to find out your potential interviewer. Once you find out about him, you can do a rough LinkedIn or web search to understand more about him. I know, it may sound like a weird tip, but it's actually very useful. I actually gained from an interview just because I went to search up more on the interviewer. So prior to the interview, I searched up roughly on the interviewer out of curiosity. And during the interview, my knowledge about him naturally led to a more casual and connected conversation. I felt like there was a common ground to talk about. And in the end, I got through that round of interview. Yes, this tip really can help. Other than knowledge about the company and the interviewer, you should search up on the industry as well. This is to get acquainted with what the company does in its respective industry and how changes to the industry may affect the company. Search up on the recent trends in the industry and come up with some insights on it in relevance to the company. Yep, and with that, this notes the end of how to bridge the gap between your actions and the employer's expectations. The tips provided are just a snapshot of the recruiter's expectation, but the overall takeaway that you should have is to always be prepared and be diligent on your application journey towards getting a job. All in all, we have talked about our personal experiences of struggling to find an internship, the negative global outlook, and the tips on setting yourself apart from others, which is to become an M-shaped employee and to bridge the gap between you and your employers. Ultimately, what we are trying to convey is the importance of improving your employability now and building up your skill sets to set yourself apart from others because by doing so, you will be better prepared for the current situation and also for the future world of uncertainty. To end off, I'll ask the same question again. Have you ever struggled to get an internship or a job before? In order to reduce the chances or extent of your struggle, we urge you to start preparing now. Perfect.